Okay, hello. Hello. Uh, this is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name is Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. Mm-hmm. Our politics are leftists, our tastes in TV are pretty trashy. Um, That's right. We're making this podcast without a really clear plan of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But we also opened the windows and it sounded cool. So we're gonna Yeah, honestly, the rain is what... Inspired us. Yeah. Because yeah. we were hoping that with the like atmosphere, it would just yeah. sound really good, even if we don't have yeah. a lot to say. So hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But that's good, because then if we don't talk too much and it turns out shit, we'll just... It's not a big deal. Yeah. We didn't waste our time or stuff to talk about. Okay. So we'll start with some recommendations. Okay. Um, you go first, because well, I feel I like mine's going to get long. Okay. A little long. Cool. Well, I wanted to say um, we've been watching fashion shows lately. Oh, no, that's my recommendation. <laughs> okay. I thought it might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't steal my recommendation. <laughs> it's the only thing I've been doing for, like, the last five days. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'll talk about my other thing first. Okay. Then. But when it comes to fashion shows, I mostly wanted to say, to if you like Vampire Hunter D or 80s <laughs> anime, you have to watch the new Marc Jacobs yeah. show. Because it's it's almost like um, cosplay. It's like it's like a fan fiction almost. Yeah. Or if you're not familiar with that, imagine how the guy from V from Vendetta dresses kind huh, of. I don't think so. Yeah, the guy Fox guy with the mask and the no, hat. It's not. Yeah, he wears that kind of Louis the fifteenth ish. Does he wear shoulder pads? Well, Does he have I oversized okay, blazers? Okay, imagine him in an eighties mode, <laughs> <laughs> but he has like the kind of. Frenchman like riding outfit with like the leather gloves and the Does little he? Frenchy shoes. I'm gonna Google it. I'll, maybe I should just take your word for it. No, no, keep arguing with me about it. <laughs> yeah, wasting time on the podcast too. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but if you want to, I say Google say Vampire Hunter D if you want to see what it looks like. Or you know, just Google like Mark Jacobs full show. Yeah. Twenty. And if you like the full show, check out. Um, See? For, what is out. this? No, this is not... I googled V for Vendetta. This is not what the fashion Yes, it like. is! I'm, like, shouting into the microphone. This would be like if somebody with a very small budget tried to knock off Marc Jacobs for, like, a Halloween costume. Well, I didn't say... I'm... I'm no, we're talking this about, like, the silhouette the, really and the vibe. Not. He there has were the capes, same hat. That's there it. were hats. Okay. There anyway. were gloves. <laughs> Watch the show and take a part in our argument. Okay, I'm cutting all of this out. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I'll talk about something else. I went down like a big Wikipedia hole the other day, last week or so, because I was reading a current affairs article, and he had a good one about, um, it's called like Everything You Love Will Die or something like that, about how cities inevitably change. It was from a Nathan J. Robinson article. And he just mentioned this woman, Amanda Burden, who was the like city planner under Bloomberg from like 2002 to 2013 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I ended up researching her and writing like, I don't know, a thousand words on Wikipedia about her. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell you a little bit about okay. that. Mostly because, um, well, I'll start off by telling you who she is. Like she's uh, like an heiress to multiple fortunes. One of them is like standard oil and then she married somebody who was like the heir to a different fortune she's been married a few times she also dated charlie rose for like 10 years (laughs) Uh, he's kind of a creep as we found out (laughs) yeah and when she was young in the 60s she was like an it girl okay like magazine like vogue or whatever would talk about what she was wearing and like and and she must i feel like she updated her wikipedia page a few years ago okay because it like basically brags about how she beat jacqueline Kennedy in like some best hat contest. Or okay. Yeah, that's the kind of person that was planning New York City, you know, this like the top upper crust of the upper class. But she kind of had like the sort of do gooder liberal mentality towards it. Mm-hmm. Like she was probably pro civil rights when she was young. It talks about how she, after college, like went and taught in Harlem for a few years or whatever. But uh, so when she was the city planning commissioner, she took the approach. She, first of all, they rezoned the city, like 40% of okay. the city rezoned it. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this, because we've heard a lot of stuff lately about rezoning. Like the Left Coast podcast had a really good episode about the specifics of LA, LA zoning. zoning. Yeah, 
And I think there's a lot of hope that if you just rezone stuff, we can fix a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. I know people in Austin are talking about that too, because the zoning in Austin sucks. It's all like single family homes. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. So that's the approach she took. And she... And Texas zoning is... Sorry, but Texas zoning is so strange too, because there's... Like, in a lot of other places, you kind of have, like, commerce areas and housing areas. And in Texas, it's, like, I don't think... Is there really zoning? I know in Houston, there really isn't zoning. Maybe in Austin, there probably... There is. I've seen maps. But, okay. yeah, in Houston, it's famous for, like, not really having yeah, any zoning Yeah, and laws. it's kind of wild. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's I guess there are benefits to that, but I think there's also some drawbacks. Definitely in Houston, it has not created, like, a dense core of the city. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, a downtown area that nobody goes to or lives in, and then just it's all these different little pockets. Guys, okay. you're going to hear our dogs barking because Ella thinks that she can absolutely bark away thunder. Uh, we'll try to edit that out, but I'm just going to let you yeah. know right now that we'll try that's going to gonna happen. We put everything through a limiter and compressor, so... So hopefully it won't, like, it kill won't your ears. It won't pop your eardrums, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I was going to say about the Houston zoning stuff is, yeah, it leads to a really sprawled-out city, and then... When you have a disaster like Hurricane Harvey, it's very difficult to get people out and get resources in because it's so widespread. Yeah. And you also have dangerous situations where you have like energy plants and stuff next or like industrial plants next to schools and communities. And when those industrial plants fail because of, you know, electricity shortages or flooding or whatever, it creates like extra disaster. So... So, but Amanda Burden took the approach of, like, rezoning it towards improving the housing condition okay. in New York City. And also, she was concerned about gentrification in sort of, like, an, uh, you know, upper-class liberal way. Mm -hmm. Like, she put in these policies that basically everybody who wanted to develop something had to get her personal approval and she wanted to make sure that you respected the character of the neighborhood. So this is like a Maoist approach. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a Maoist liberal approach. Yeah, yeah. So she wanted to make sure you respected the character of the neighborhood. So she would make sure your facade and your design matched the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, that's And that cool. it wasn't too tall. Yeah. So there was like a famous building that wanted to go up right next to the MoMA. And it would have been like the, I think the tallest building in New York City. And she was like, no, you have to yeah. cut like... 50 floors off of this because there's no other tall buildings around it. Yeah. So so she sometimes got hate from developers because she had this strong hand when it comes to design. Right. But the quote that I looked her up because in Nathan J. Robinson's article, her quote was like, uh, even though they didn't like her heavy hand when it comes to design, obviously it's the Bloomberg administration. They're going to take care of developers. Right? right. So they were rated to have an overall friendliness to development and there's this quote that was in the article on Current Affairs. She says, she's basically defending herself to the New York Times reporter when she asks her, like, you know, you're, some people don't like this heavy hand that you have. And she says, what I've tried to do and think I have done is create value for these developers every single day of my term. <laughs> so, but she also really did have, you know, tried to have this sort of liberal do-gooder care for what she was doing to New York City mm -hmm. and what people who live there experience from it. Right. Because So she talked about she wanted to do, like, the Robert Moses level of remaking New York City, but she wanted to do it with this ethics of Jane Jacobs, who I guess is, like, a architecture academic or something. Oh, okay. Or sociologist okay. who apparently kind of remade the way everybody thought about development in the 70s by putting more of a focus on the community and neighborhoods and not having people be displaced so amanda burden wanted to like oh and it, a big part was community input mm -hmm. so when you're gonna do something in a community you get all the people there together and you know talk about what you're gonna do so she kind of wanted to mix that with the like powerful robert moses you know maoist remaking of the city <laughs> So, um, I wanted, I got into this researching it just to hate on her. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this wealthy baroness, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Remaking New York city and saying she's doing all this value for the developers, but she really wanted to do that at the same time that she helped the people who live there and didn't displace people and reduced housing costs. Okay. And she did it by that, um, you know, progressive ideal of rezoning the city 
and not disturbing neighborhoods uh-huh. completely failed. Oh, really? <laughs> completely failed, oh, yeah. No. She herself, after her term, she was at a city data panel, and she said, uh, what we haven't figured out is the question of gentrification. I have never, since I had this job, come up with a satisfactory answer of how to make sure everyone benefits. I had believed if we kept building in that manner and increasing our housing supply, that prices would go down. We had every year almost 30,000 permits for new housing, and we built a tremendous amount of housing, including affordable housing, either through incentives or through government funds, and the price of housing didn't go down at all. That's a practitioner's point of view. Mm. So all this talk of, like, we need to rezone cities and build more housing, right? it's not necessarily going to solve our problems. Right, right, right. If you want housing prices to go down, you have to address housing prices. Yeah. You can't just do this, like, supply-side change of creating more and expecting the market to solve it. Yeah. Because it's, especially in New York City, you build all this new housing, and you just kind of create, like, a... It, it only fuels the bubble. Have you... Yeah, um... It's like when people try to add more parking spots to a city. Okay. And then that ultimately, like, you would think that that would reduce the amount of cars on streets and the amount of traffic and everything like that. But instead, it just actually creates an influx of cars and traffic. Because people basically just fill up the spots and, like, actually, like, making um, parking uh, cost less just makes the parking problem worse mm. because more and more people just drive their cars into work yeah. versus like trying to figure out other means Public transit yeah exactly um and so i mean this actually kind of makes me think of the same thing it's like well you know the reason you're never going to be able to truly address like gentrification is because you have this fundamental problem in society yeah, of yeah. inequality yeah <laughs> like, they built you have to address inequality as long as you have people who are fabulously wealthy and yeah. baronesses that are featured in vogue wearing clothes that like we'll talk about for fashion stuff like right. are you know mind-blowingly expensive and th- th- there are people who can you know have like haute couture pieces that cost like even a hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. versus people who can't spend that kind of money on you know housing or car or anything that would be a major good in their life you're going to have this housing problem. Like, yeah, yeah. People are always, pe- those people are always going to buy up the housing mm-hmm. and then rent it out, if nothing else, become yeah, landlords, yeah. rent it out to the lower classes. She and Bloomberg increased housing supply, increased density too. Yeah. They definitely made sure to create affordable housing, like she said. It's kind of like they pursued that mixed use thing too, mm-hmm. you know? Or, and during this time was when that scandal where they're building new apartments, building, apartment building, and they're required by this administration to have low-income housing in the building, Mm -hmm. so they create the separate entrance. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, increased housing, increased density, and there are more people homeless than when she started. Yeah. You know? And the housing prices were worse than when she started, at the same time as people's incomes were decreasing. Yeah. So, yeah. But as inequality is increasing. Yeah. That's the number one thing driving this problem. Yeah. Also, when you're talking about parking spaces, apparently the same thing is true for roads. When you add more lanes, you don't reduce traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, because people are like, oh, cool, I can drive my car into work. And then everybody thinks that there's a new lane, there's a new road. Yeah. Fill it up. Also, you're adding lanes, you're not reducing traffic, you know? Yeah. Still the same amount of cars. Or yeah, more. or more. Yeah. That's. I mean, I think that's the issue is that it actually incentivizes people to. Yeah. So anyway, that's my thing. You can read what I wrote on Wikipedia if you want. But it, that's. I gave you the, the highlights. You wrote it on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I added oh. like hundreds of words on <laughs> it because nice. her Wikipedia page hadn't been updated in years, and it's like <laughs> she was the only one updating it. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's so cool. yeah, I did all this research and. Oh, nice! It in, yeah. I thought you just like wrote some stuff for yourself. That's cool. Yeah. Good job, baby. Contributing to the greater good. Yeah, normally I just consume Wikipedia voraciously and now yeah. I've added to it. So Nice. So what's your thing? So my thing is fashion. So my recommendation would be to try watching fashion shows online. It's like never been cool. easier. Yeah. They're like all on YouTube. It's really easy to find. You can just search like Fashion Week or just pick a designer like Chanel full show actually that's the one I'd recommend the least but oh, yeah, I'd probably recommend the Gucci show 
from this year as like a really great place to start. Or if you want like a mind-blowing show, it's definitely going to challenge great. you if you're not used to watching fashion shows. Yeah, even though. if you think you're not into fashion, but you just like seeing good art, yeah. you know, check out the Gucci show. It's really cool. Yeah, so like I actually started watching fashion shows when I was like, uh, I don't know, like 12 or 13. And my parents got a, I think, let's say a satellite of dubious legality <laughs> <laughs> installed. Um, not from any like major like, I don't know, Dish Network or whatever From some here. Macedonian dad. Yeah, because you could get Macedonian TV, and my grandparents, who are Macedonian and only understood Macedonian, were living with us, and, like, we're watching TV, and they're just, like, sitting there quietly, like, watching <laughs> images move, you know, on a yeah, TV yeah. that they don't understand. So this was, like, in large part for them, but as part of, like, the package, we got a bunch of other channels, like, there are, like, some random German channels that were very That's weird, cool. yeah. but awesome. my favorite Ma- thing... Oh, my dad used to bring home VHSs from the factory. Oh, yeah. Because, like, some other guy there would just, you know, take a few bucks and just copy movies for people. Nice. So there'd be, like, a little yellow or white label, just say what it is. Oh, yeah. Must have had, like, 20 movies like that. That's how I watched Spice World. Because my dad brought a VHS that, like, (laughs) I don't know, someone at work had somehow gotten a hold of. Yeah. That was so much cooler than (laughs) buying Netflix or something. Yeah, Yeah. Way cooler. But yeah, so my favorite thing on that we got with that satellite was like I think it was called like Moda TV or something. It was this like Italian fashion channel. Mm. And they would have a lot of Italian like shows like during the day or the day for us. But then um at night they would just play like fashion shows a lot of times without comment or they would just interview people at the end on some of their thoughts. And like those people were like Vogue editors and shit, so they'd always mm. be, or like American Vogue editors and stuff, so they'd always be speaking in like English, and like I could actually understand what they were. It was like the only part of the <laughs> the channel I could actually <laughs> understand where like their comments on shows I was watching, and um, that's yeah, that's how I got into it. And like I think like if I could get into it as a fourteen year old, honestly, like watching yeah. an Italian channel that I didn't understand, <laughs> anyone can get into it because it really is just about like your visual senses. And like, I know that people a lot of times feel like fashion is not for them or it's like hoity toity or whatever. It's for rich people. But I just think that's like a really wrong way to look at fashion. I was telling Adam how my mom and I were talking recently and she told me about how in, she was uh she grew up in socialist Yugoslavia and she was telling me how when they would have like a new show at the theater or whatever um most of the tickets got bought up by like companies so like my grandparents worked in a company that made made refrigerators so their company would buy like a week of shows and everybody the everybody from the you know head director to like the janitor all gets a chance to go see the show. And then the next week, a different company takes all of their workers to get to go see the show or see the opera or whatever it is. And as a, or like the firefighters are going this week. And so as a result, not only do like working people have access to high culture, but you create a market for playwrights and costume designers and set designers and actors and people who want to pursue artistic endeavors, you know? So I think that that's, like, an attitude that's really missing in America when it comes to, like, high art. And I think fashion is a great, like, example of this because fashion, you would think, like, America, this individualistic, consumeristic society that we'd be, like, so into expressing ourselves through what we wear. But instead, like, you go out in most, I mean, I don't know, if you're, like, in New York or San Francisco or L.A. or something, it's different, I guess. I assume that it is, but, you know, you go into, like, any, like, kind of Midwestern city or even here in Texas anywhere, and, like, everybody dresses the same. My mom used to joke that there's, like, an American uniform, like, tennis shoes, jeans, sweatshirt, baseball cap, you know, like... I don't think it's that different when you go to a major city, either. I mean, I've visited major cities yeah there, but, like, right of the Marc Jacobs line was those big... Yeah. scarves that take up a lot of space or they he'd have like ones around their waist basically like They're, a flower yeah like yeah. a flower that's like super big nobody would ever wear anything that like takes up that much space yeah you know? that's true then we saw a small um a different show where 
there it wasn't so big but they just had this sort of like bunny head attached to their sweaters yeah and it must have been you know like three or four inches off your chest and i thought the same thing nobody is going to wear that because it's taking up space yeah like even when you want to look good you don't want to take up space. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I always notice that, actually, when we visit major cities. I mean, even smaller cities like Austin, like, everybody's always wearing, like, a uniform of, like, black jeans, black t-shirt, yeah. and it's, like, black shoes. Like, it's, like, very much, like, fit in, don't stand mm-hmm. out, which is funny because, like, when you look at, like, old, like, Cold War propaganda, that's basically how they scared Americans oh, about right, the yeah. Soviet Union, was, like, you're not going to have choices. Everybody has to wear, like, the same clothes, yeah. and they look like sad, drab, you know, people, the way we imagine, yeah. like, Russians from But now the you could just put skinny jeans and ankle boots on that poster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and everybody... So my point is just that, like, you would think that a culture like ours would be so into fashion, but we've been essentially convinced that like it's high art that's not for Mm, us and i that's just such a incorrect approach if you ask me like for one thing we should totally democratize fashion like there's no reason why half the shit is as expensive as it is yeah and on the other like i mean you could easily cut the prices in half but on on more than half i know way more than half. but on the other hand the shit that we do get sold like h&m and stuff is garbage that is oppressing people around the world you know for shit literal junk yeah i don't know how many h&m t-shirts i've bought that go through the wash once and And don't they're not just come out wrong yeah Yeah, they're not squares exactly yes yeah they just lose their shape and you're like what the fuck is this and this is what we're doing you know not child labor, hopefully. Yeah. Something almost as bad for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I just really think, like, if some, if a lot of us, like, thought about it, like, we would want clothes that look cool as hell, are made of good materials that actually stand up, and are made in places where workers are paid fair wages, right? Yeah. Like, one of the reasons the cost of some of these clothes are higher is because they're actually, like, the stitching is done in Italy or... France or wherever, you know, where people actually have some worker protections, yeah. not and probably not much like incredible worker protections, but better than, you know, the um, basically poor people and yeah. the rest of the world. I mean, if you want to take advantage of exchange rates, build it in Greece or Spain, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Macedonia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Macedonia doesn't have the sorts of protections unfortunately they're polluting like hell that's true yeah Yeah, that's really sad worker protections maybe yeah hopefully hopefully probably not probably not (laughs) not maybe with this new government let's hope but anyway not to get too but um yeah so also like i think that there's a few things that i could tell you about that would help make fashion a little less inscrutable so i thought i'd just like take a minute so, like, you were, we were talking about, you were like, what exactly is a couture? I know it's, like, supposed to be handmade, but what is it beyond that? So, some, like, of the basics of, well... That's the basic, right? Everything is hand-stitched. Yes. Yeah. So, haute couture is, like, the highest fashion mm-hmm. thing, right? The most right? unobtainium of yes. all fashion. Yes, yes. Um, when you see a show where you're like, no one's going to wear that, and it's like... Usually, like, the pieces are very structured, like, they have, like, exaggerated silhouettes or, like, a lot of strong lines or really puffy sleeves or waists or whatever, you know. Um, That's, like, a sign that you're probably watching an haute couture show. Also, if you're watching it online, it'll say, but I'm just saying, if you just saw something. Because the idea, usually, with an haute couture show is that it is not uh, for the masses. It's, like, made specifically for a specific person and a lot of times you're seeing something that the designers are showing you is like an idea they're playing with so when you see an exaggerated silhouette like at the Marc Jacobs show it's not necessarily saying like okay we're all gonna wear like way oversized coats like as exaggerated as the ones that you're seeing in the show but oversized coats with strong shoulders but that show wasn't haute couture I think it was it was like the full show though yeah, but it wasn't haute, haute couture. Okay, but a lot of times it gets, like, interchanged. Okay. Okay, so let's stick to haute couture. We'll start there. So my point is that haute couture, I mean, you can look it up online, but it is, like, a legal definition, like, in... Champagne. Exactly, yeah, like yeah. like French people like to do. They, they are, like, little <laughs> yeah. bean counters, man. Like, <laughs> they love to take something that is a, you know, creative pursuit, like winemaking or fashion, 
and put a bunch of little rules on it to, yeah. I guess, make sure the quality is meets a certain standard. But it's like, I don't know, it's very strange to me. But yeah. so there are a lot of weird rules like uh, you have to have an atelier in Paris that employs at least 15 people. You have to show in January and July. Um, you have to show, I forget, I think it's like. Less, I think like 15 or 16 evening pieces and day wear pieces. <laughs> like there's a bunch of little rules like that. But the main idea here is that it is very expensive because it is all handmade, right. made of the finest materials available. Um, it's made to order usually. Like it's made with specific clients in mind. Yeah, because um, it costs thousands and thousands yeah, of Yeah, I read a factoid that said that there are about 20,000 pieces of haute couture fashion bought a year but of the or 20,000 women yeah. buying haute couture uh, fashion a year but of those women only about 200 buy regularly like more than once okay. so it's a very very like elite it's something the richest of the rich do like once or twice in yeah their life. it means that probably either you or your husband or your dad have done something really evil and oppressed <laughs> a lot of people to have enough money yeah, exploited a ton of labor. yeah that you can actually afford these pieces yeah. the one haute couture show we watched I, I don't know who the designer was ellie ellie Saab. yeah it was all really beautiful dresses very like belly hand talk. beaded yeah yeah hand beaded like shiny um 1920s ish yeah like art deco style yeah. like, are they all like that all, haute all couture, haute couture shows? no 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 okay. no definitely not um but seeing i think that's a really great one if you were gonna try to like understand this a little bit because mm -hmm. it's easy to imagine like oh my god that that beating alone must have taken like 500 man hours yeah. you know like yeah. To put the whole dress together probably yeah. took another. And it's you know, all hand stitching, so every exactly. bead is like stitched on. Exactly, there. every detail you're seeing is handmade, yeah. so it's like an incredible just work. You yeah, know? and then they had an incredible wedding dress at the end. Yeah, I'm sure it cost six figures. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. I would yeah easily. So that's a really great place to start because you can see the work so easily with like an Ellie Saab show. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes with other shows, it's, like, harder to tell. Also, a lot of times, like I was kind of alluding to, like, um, designers will have, like, because, like, so Marc Jacobs, I think, would be an example of someone who does a full fashion show where they essentially do an haute couture style show of really high fashion with the ideas that they're playing with, but he doesn't have an atelier in Paris yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's not all hand-stitched, probably. Right. So yeah. he will have a full show, which is kind of like the next step, right, where it's like they're, you're seeing the ideas of what they're playing mm -hmm. with, um, but again, these are fashions that are not something you're probably going to find at yeah. the store. Here, it's going to be more adventurous than legit haute couture. True. Right? Because yeah. it's all about concept. Exactly. It, you don't have to spend forever making every And it's not piece. usually with, like, they're, they might have clients in mind that they're like, or women that they're kind of yeah. imagining as but their But sometimes muse. it's not meant to be worn at all. Yeah. And... Uh, it's not like Haute Couture where you have, like, people in mind who will be buying these yeah. pieces, you know? I really think of it as a brand-building exercise, yeah. right? Yeah. To show off, look what we can do. This is the sort of attitude, style, aesthetic we have in mind for this Exactly. Year. That's what I was yeah. saying. Like, you see, like, an exaggerated... Or, like, we watched the Burberry show, and there is a ton of, like, rainbow stuff happening, mm -hmm. right? With Burberry, which is, like, known for their tartan, their, that plaid that's, like, kind of boring and, like, very British. Right. So they're doing a ton of rainbow stuff. So, like, I mean, there is, like, an aspect of it that you could say is absolutely about, like, LBGT rights as part... I mean, because fashion shows comment on politics right. all the time, to be clear. Like, um, but also, like you know, they're, like, hitting you in the face with this idea of, like, we're adding color this season, you know? <laughs> like, or I watched a Dolce & Gabbana show where, like, the background was all um, these Queen of Hearts cards, you know? And then the runway was, like, this, like, you know, strong, like, fuchsia color and, like, red. Yeah. And all, obviously, they're channeling, like, the woman they're dressing is, like, a Queen of Hearts woman who, like, you know, has mm -hmm. what she wants. The roses are white, well, paint them red. Yeah. Off with your head, you know, this kind of attitude. And all the women but, walk out in these, like, really beautiful but very, like, strong pattern, strong color, powerful outfits that essentially say, look at me, like, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm the queen, you yeah. know, like... 
So and the Mark Jacobs show was very much like sci-fi fantasy gothic, you know, 1980s, like something in the 1980s imagined about a future dystopia where technology has like ruined society and now we're kind of back to basics. Yeah, I think I bit. told you it Not looks like, caveman, like but they're coming what like back from some like crazy sci-fi future past. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're all wrapped up so you get the sense that there's like a something in the air that they're yeah. trying to, you know, keep off of their faces yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's super powerful cuz they have the giant shoulders and the um, you know, wide-brimmed flat hats yeah. like like Viva Vendetta, you were right about the hat yeah. at least. So, or when we watched the Gucci show, uh, we were talking about how a lot of it, these people look like refugees. Like, they're yeah. wearing a lot of layers. They're, um, there's kind of like a babushka vibe to a lot of the head covers that are happening. Yeah. They're carrying suitcases or possessions. Like, unfortunately, like, fashion blogs will sometimes just click, be clickbaity and, like, highlight, like, the aspects that are most, I don't know, like, shocking or whatever. So, like, this year, like, they had one of the models carrying a baby dragon or yeah. a different one carrying, um, like, a model of his own head or whatever. Right, yeah. But I think the idea was, there was, like, they, they are bringing with them these, like, valuable, unique possessions that are, like, their culture, right? I don't know. That's how I read it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what refugees bring when they're coming, yeah. right? It was very, yeah. And the patterns and stuff were very much, like, um, like I've seen like colored photographs of like caucus peoples in the 1900s. Right. And when you see that, you realize how beautiful, like the fabrics, like the colors and the patterns were that they yeah. wore. And that's exactly what this, these exactly, colors yeah. and fabrics and details reminded me of. So it's I think very that's Eastern Europe. Yeah. I yeah, think that's another world. show where you're seeing a comment on what's happening in our society. Yeah. It's like, even a- though it looks wild, it felt like a really deep comment on whiteness because it's showing like the, sort of like otherized aspect of whiteness like the eastern european Mm. where there's a lot of muslim people yeah you know a lot of head coverings and the sort of old world yeah like like eastern orthodox patterns and everything yeah totally Yeah, yeah it reminded me a lot of what photos of like you know, Russians in the 90s look like, too. Yeah, and sort of icons, you know, the yeah, Eastern Orthodox definitely. icons with yes. the gold and the patterns. Yeah, and the intricate yeah. details. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then the Prada show was shit. Yeah. It was very clear what they were doing. It was, like, highlighter, color, futurist with um, these really, like, heavy outer garments that were, like, sleeveless yeah. and looked kind of like luggage. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really bad. It was bad. But my point is, okay, so that's like, so you have Okatour, we have full shows, then you have Pret a Porter, right? Which is ready to wear, like, stri- like literally. Is that the what same as streetwear or not quite? Uh, not quite. Yeah. But it's basically it's what most of us would colloquially call streetwear. Okay. Um, but so, streetwear is more like young people who are cool hanging out in the city, right? Yeah, and a lot of times streetwear is like specifically like brands like Supreme or Vans even or stuff like that that create these kind of like um like fashiony labels but they like kind of have like a skater aesthetic. Right. That's what a lot of people are specific like if you read streetwear in a fashion blog that's mm. kind of what people are like usually talking about, right. you know. The Max Mara show. No, no, no. Yeah. That's more like Prêt à Porter, which means like I said ready to wear. That's the shit that you see like Fashion Week, like when you hear New York Fashion Week or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea of Fashion Week is like it started in like the 1940s and it was basically a way for New York Fashion Week started in the 1940s and it was basically a way for designers to show retailers what they were going to be selling. Yeah. And so you basically have a parade of the things that they're literally going you you could see at a, you know Bloomingdale's or whatever. And then you have like diffusion line uh collections which are like when you see like isaac mizrahi at target or something mm. like that and that's diffusion? like yeah that's like for Out most for the, the masses yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> diffusion. yeah but there's like no reason why there has to be this hierarchy except the materials and work a little bit preserve the social order but that's what i mean that's why we should all get into fashion and democratize yeah, yeah. it because like there this fashion is for you. Like, you can, like, look at a fashion show, even if you don't think about what are they commenting on, are they talking about refugees or whatever, and you're just like, oh, I really like that dress. I don't like that. 
that's fine. Like, it's for you. Like, it's for anybody, you know? And I just also would say that, like, you know, I think some people think that in order to be a good leftist or whatever, you can't possibly be into, like, material things. Right, or high culture. Yeah, and that's just also, I think, wrong. Like I was saying, like, I mean, there are socialist nations that literally made an effort to bridge that gap. Yeah. But also... That's one of the great things about a socialist country is you could decide to divert a specific amount of resources to culture that everybody can enjoy like you said um theater shows and yeah sure everybody can go to it and 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 you have a class of people who have a job doing that if you have more people who get into fashion and like expect and want cool clothes like you see at a gucci show or whatever then you and you have like a socialist society let's say imagine how many people if they didn't have to worry about how they're going to get their food pay their rent get their health care whatever would want to be fashion designers and would want to take risks and have interesting comments in their the art that they put out that is fashion right we that could be more widely available for people it's just wildly expensive to put on a show get backers find distributors do all that shit so it becomes this elitist thing that you have to be like Stella McCartney in order, yeah, yeah. or Victoria Beckham in order to be a new person who shows at fashion. I week. would imagine there'd be a lot less of a hierarchy because yeah. we were talking about how why is there only fashion shows in New York, London, Milan, Milan Paris, yeah. right? What about Asia? <laughs> yeah, I mean there is like I think there is like a Tokyo fashion. I know, week. but like the focus is just yeah. on the rich and successful designers and what they're going to totally. do and labels. And the rich models who are all descended from rich people. Yeah. If you had, like, if you broadened it out, you would have probably not just, like, more people designing, but different places where they were doing it, you know, different pockets of style and regional shows. Yeah, totally. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool to, like, like, growing up in Columbus to have, like, columbus fashion week where you see what people in the midwest are into instead of all of us having to look to new york to tell us what's cool and you could have actual talent there instead of the brain drain where like if you're in columbus and you're good at fashion you can't stay there no you you have to go to paris or exactly new york new york yeah yeah exactly yeah so i think that would be a really cool thing that could happen if more people (laughs) just started watching fashion shows like me (laughs) It's a fun art to consume if you're into art, especially visual art. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, just get stoned and watch fashion shows. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like just sitting down and if a museum just had a conveyor belt of art that passes you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's music playing. It's like a feast for your senses, you know? Yeah. Do you want to... It's cool. Do you want to talk about that guy you were telling me about briefly who... So I've been reading up um, on some fashion designers and stuff, and one of the ones that caught my attention that I was telling Adam about was this guy, Halston. I forget his, like, full name, but his brand and, like, his fashion name was Halston. Um, And basically, he's someone who's often cited for influencing, especially, like, Tom Ford. And if you know anything about Tom Ford, he's, like, very... He used to design for... uh, Actually, he used to design for Gucci in the early 2000s when I was watching fashion shows mm. in my basement. And What's also like? YSL, Yves Saint Laurent. Um, it's, like, very sleek, tailored. He's really known for his menswear now. Like, Tom Ford menswear mm. is, like, a really big deal. Like, Jay-Z put out a song that's just, mm. like, Tom Ford, Tom Ford. I think it's, like, Don't Take Molly, Wear Tom Ford, or something <laughs> like that is, like, that the sucks. entire, like, chorus. Um, and I, And he, like, designed, like... For suit and tie for Justin Timberlake's like okay. whole thing, he like designed That's all funny. the costumes and stuff because he's like synonymous with menswear. So with but he house- made beautiful stuff for women too, like for YSL, especially at that mm. time. Like I loved what they were coming out with. Um, so Halston is often cited as like a major inspiration. So he was probably too very like classic and sleek. Yeah, yeah, um, and he also designed the pillbox hat that Jackie O right. wore. I didn't know that that was invented in the sixties. Yeah, like. yeah, by this guy. And then after that, he still found success, like in the you know seventies and eighties, dressing women and Jackie O in particular. Obviously, this is the second reference to Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. <laughs> um, and uh, he. 
yeah, came out with these, like, sleek designs. He was all about, like, strong, like, women being, like, strong and wearing pants, which sounds, like, silly, but he's like, yeah, now that women can, like, have been seen wearing pants, I don't think they'll ever stop wearing pants, you know? (laughs) Like, he's, like, embracing that and stuff. And then, um, he was, like, pretty major, and he was being carried, obviously, by a ton of distributors and stuff. And then in the, like, 80s, he decided to basically do a diffusion line. Um, and I think he signed a deal. Uh, I, I don't know. It wasn't with JC Penny, but Macy's some, or... yeah, some department store what that you find at the mall. What we had Lazarus, buy? but I don't think that was it. Hillier or something. No, I don't know. I don't know. The point is he did align with like a basic department store Yeah, and no one had ever done that in high fashion before. So when he did that, like, like within a month of that being announced, like Bloomingdale's and a bunch of other high re- retailers yeah. just dropped him because they were like, "You've devalued the brand," you know. Like <laughs> he went, we can't yeah. have this. He went from being at the top, yeah, to wanting to just share that with everybody, yeah, to just being trashed and forgotten about. It. Yeah, um, and so basically, once he got dropped by all these other high retailers, then the lower. Um, cost fashion line also got dropped yeah Yeah. (laughs) um then his company got sold and like resold and each time he lost more and more control like creatively of the company until at one point like uh revlon owned it and they were just putting out halston perfumes Mm -hmm. which is like not what he was i mean maybe he had some good perfumes but that's not what he was known for you know um and then uh eventually he managed to get the company sold again and he thought he was going to have more creative control but uh it turned out as like the deal was getting finished that he wasn't gonna have any creative control again and he just like quietly would design for some people like um Jackie O and I think maybe like Liza Minnelli was another person Mm. or I don't know some famous late 80s ladies and then um he basically like I think around like 1990 was when that company got resold again and he realized he wasn't going to have control and then like 2 years later he died of AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just really it's sad. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad because basically like, you know, in fashion it, there is a sense in which it's like, oh yeah, push boundaries, like try new things, <laughs> yeah, yeah. bring new colors into the mix, or try new silhouettes or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was like, cool, cool, cool. What if we push this boundary and make it less classic? <laughs> and everyone was like, no, fuck you. Die of AIDS in a gutter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting story from fashion history. But, yeah, there's a lot of people like that who, you know, create, try to do things in fashion and that we don't, like, even realize exist anymore. Like, I also found this guy, Montana, that basically when you think of actually, like, the the very 80s silhouette, he, like, pretty much created mm-hmm. it. Uh, a lot of people were saying that the Marc Jacobs show that we watched might as well be called, like, an ode to Montana because the silhouette was so Montana-esque. The, like, giant top with the shoulders kind of coming down. Yeah. Yeah. But he also uh, had, like, a pretty sad story where he basically, like, ended up, like, broke and no one, you know, paying any attention to him and stuff. Is it also because he tried to let more people... I forget what happened with him. I'll have to finish reading the thing. But but... what a great, like, example, the Houston story of... uh you know what fashion is for unfortunately yeah yeah Yeah. it's to cement you know the hierarchy of our society absolutely but that's what i'm saying we should get into everyone should get into fashion it doesn't have to be that way like high art is for you high fashion is for you you are not less smart or valuable they're already co-opting low-class culture yeah look at vet moms yeah Yeah. they released the dhl DHL. t-shirts that cost hundreds of dollars like yeah, pushing the boundary of like walking down the runway. Yeah. Wearing low class brands. Yeah, but basically it feels like are they laughing at us for having yeah. jobs? Because it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. They did a pop up in Hong Kong where they worked with DHL and I forget what's stu- try to act like it's this underground thing that it's just stupid. One other great way to get into fashion is to get on DHGate where yeah. you can buy clothes directly from China. So, like, probably the same factories that are making the fancy clothes 
are just putting out knockoffs. Yeah. For fifty bucks for like a really expensive. Yeah, totally. If you see something that you want, like you can probably find it. Yeah. On I think DHgate is like the best one, but there are other ones like Ali. Yeah, I was using Wanalo to find good ones. Yeah, but even if you don't want to like buy the stuff, just to like look at it and. Mm And also, like you're saying, it's like having a high fashion museum on a conveyor belt in yeah. your computer. Like, yeah. I think from DHgate, we're going to buy some of the Gucci Pret-a-Porter clothes that they're super cool. They have, like, the Virgin Mary and, like, all this yeah, religious this, iconography. Like, yeah. 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 There's other cool ones, too. They were really into UFOs last year. You can yeah. buy some good, like gucci ufo sweaters yeah like that are just bucks. cool as hell like honestly like you don't have to be into the fact that they're gucci knockoffs yeah. they're just really cool and like a lot cooler looking than what you're gonna find at yeah. the mall or kohl's or wherever the fuck at first we weren't gonna buy anything from like that's a knockoff of gucci because we're like oh that brand is like too, it's for rich people yeah i don't want to buy it but it's just too cool they're just making too cool stuff yeah to like not have it like why yeah. not and then that's what i'm saying it's for you like if you want it it's for yeah, you you it. know yeah. yeah so yeah those are our recommendations that are also our entire podcast yeah seize fashion back from the uh for the masses uh, yeah seize it back yeah from the uh I don't know. The ri- the woman planning New York City <laughs> yeah. dismally. Sees it back from the heiresses of yeah. Standard Oil. Yeah, so... <laughs> our, our dog is, like, just staring at us with a sad yeah, face. Yeah, come on. It's okay. Come here. Good girl. So hopefully the sound on that episode is okay. Yeah. We've been talking for 50 minutes. So okay. That's pretty good. Do you think that'll be interesting for people who normally tune in? For leftist politics and trashy TV, because we didn't talk about either one of those things. Well, I mean, a little bit leftist politics. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to talk about TV every every week. Yeah. There isn't that much TV going on. The Soup is back, basically. That's great. Yeah. The Joel McHale show is just The Soup. Yeah. It's on Netflix. We love The Soup. Yeah. The Joel McHale show is going good. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you can't expect, like, great jokes. They write some really bad jokes and skits. Yeah. But it's still, like, a really fun show to watch and... It's just like a clip show of funny stuff that happened on TV that week. Yeah. Dumb stuff that happened. Which is great if you're someone who likes to watch a lot of TV. Yeah. Good dog. Okay, cool. Well, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, Tune in next week or in three weeks or whenever we next (laughs) put out a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this. Yeah. um, We don't ask for money. Yeah. We don't have a Patreon or anything. We don't do bonus content. We just do this. Gonna, that's the plan we're gonna keep doing this yeah um if you want to show us that you like the show you can just tell us on twitter we're at cold pizza party libizzo tweets from there i'm at bone camaro uh we're on facebook or you can leave an itunes review just or soundcloud know. it's all at cold pizza party yeah just let us know if you liked it what you like what you want to hear or yeah if you have any ideas yeah Tell us if thunder shirts work. Do you have a dog? Have you tried a thunder <laughs> shirt? <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully everybody else is having a nice, chilled out, relaxed, rainy yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and we'll write out on some music. I think I'm going to play a song by broadcast. Oh, yeah. I always want to tell people what we're writing out to, and then I always forget. We're going to try to do that We more. usually don't decide until we've finished putting everything that's together. That's true. But you can always find it in the notes yeah. on our um, podcast. The so if you're notes. ever wondering, yeah, if you're ever wondering what the hell you just listened to, it's there. Just yep. open up the info on iTunes or wherever you're listening and you'll find it. Yep. Okay. Seriously, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>